You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. All right, folks. Let us enter the fascinating world of CBD. Feels is a better way to feel better. It's feels with an A, kind of. It's a premium CBD that will help to keep your head cl- waiting on a tax return hopefully it ends up in your hands fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30 percent in 2023 if you're in a bind this tax season lifelock can help our u.s-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues and all lifelock plans are backed by the million dollar protection package so we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Clear and make you feel your best is hassle-free delivered directly to your door. Now, I tried the feels. I got really zen. I got really clear. And I actually did get a better night's sleep with just a couple drops. So joining the feels monthly membership makes your self-care easy. You save money on every order. And you can pause or cancel at any time. Start feeling better with Feels. Become a member today by going to feels.com slash milkshake. And you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's feels, F-E-A-L-S dot com slash milkshake. To become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. Feels.com slash milkshake. Rain, I got a question for you. Did you ever just want to be a better version of yourself? I'm already there, Rez. Don't need it. <laughs> for everyone else, not you, you got to broaden your horizons, man. That's where the Blinkist app comes in, man. Blinkist, the app that takes top nonfiction titles, pulls out the key takeaways and puts them into text and audio explainers called Blinks. There's thousands of titles, 27 categories of the world's best knowledge to choose from. They may even have my book and your book. Right now, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. All you got to do is go to Blinkist.com slash milkshake to start your free seven-day trial. And you're going to get 25% off a Blinkist premium membership. That's wow. Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash milkshake. Get 25% off and a seven-day free trial. That's Blinkist.com slash what? Milkshake. Welcome to Metaphysical Milkshake, the show where we go deep, we get weird, and we search for the meaning of life along the way. Presented by Cast Media and Soul Pancake. Hey, everybody. I'm Rain Wilson. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm Reza Aslan. And we're here with Metaphysical Milkshake. And uh, mm-hmm. the question today, ooh, it's a doozy, wouldn't you say, Rez? Sorry. Um... Is religion relevant is the question. Wait a minute. Reza, you're Muslim. I'm just really hungry. I haven't really. And it is currently Ramadan when we're recording this. And you're oh, stuffing shit. your face with what? Dude, I totally forgot about Ramadan. You don't forget about Ramadan. You can't forget about oh, Ramadan. Fuck. It's just been inconvenient, okay? I'm going to be honest with you. I've been awake since like 5 a.m. because of my baby. I'm starving. This is one of the pillars of Islam. It's my least favorite pillar. If I were to like rank the pillars, this one would definitely be at the bottom. of the, who, who the <laughs> fuck can fast for 30 days? Who's got that? Like, I don't have that kind of... Energy. I have shit to do. Well, I'm a Baha'i. We do it for 19 days. It's like Ramadan light, L-I-T-E. <laughs> yeah. No one beats us. That's the thing about being a Muslim is that it's like, oh, you do 19 days? Well, we do 30, 28 to <laughs> so take that. But the early Baha'is did that. the Baha'i fast and Ramadan. So boom. But I will say that this is one thing that I that I just have to admit is that I'm Muslim. If a lot of people know that about me. You know, the older I get, the the more inconvenient. <laughs> this whole religion thing gets. I mean, I'm going to be on it. I mean, I take religion seriously. You take religion seriously. We take religion seriously. But something about like whether it's still relevant in my life that I I notice the older I get, the less relevant 
it becomes. I mean, have you noticed that at all? Am I just talking to my myself? Well, looking around at like millennials who are leaving organized religion, you know, cheek by jowl, it does seem to bring up that question. Is there a relevance to a, a belief structure that has rituals and writings and um, activities and social events that one needs to, to follow? Does that, why do we need it? Is religion even relevant anymore? I mean, I look, look, I think you're right that most people, I think, would say that the the more, you know, society advances, the more we evolve, the more scientifically advanced we get or or economically developed we are, the less relevant religion is in our society. And it's hard to or to kind of deny that fact, right? I mean, you just look around you. You know, from the the, the Catholic priest scandal to 9-11, you know, we just see uh, more and more uh, evil coming from religion. Most people would say religion is the problem, not any kind of solution. You're a spiritual person. We, we all know that about uh, you. But, I dabble. But you call yourself a Baha'i. That's a very specific religious tradition. So... Why? You know, like, why not? Like, come to Islam. Islam's, Islam's fun. We're, we're all the rage recently. Did I say rage? Rage was the wrong word. I, I'm not angry. Nobody. <laughs> we're I'm, all the it's rage. It's not rage. Baha'is are cool. I'm not saying the Baha'is aren't cool. I'm just saying maybe Muslims are a little cooler. Are you trying to convert me right now? I mean, why not just kind of, you know, pick and choose? There are things that I love about Buddhism. I love me some Baha'i stuff. Yep. I love me some Baha'i. Maybe like a little sprinkling of Baha'i. There's some fun stuff about Judaism that I think is really great. I mean, there's some cool things about Islam. I mean, like, why? Why pick one? Why pick one nowadays? Well, we have a uh, guest that might be able to answer this question. Uh, the incredible actor and neuroscientist. <laughs> That's not something you hear a lot. No, <laughs> no. Mayim Bialik is here to answer this very <laughs> profound question. She was in the hit sitcom Blossom from 1990 to 1995. She's a vegan and wrote a vegan cookbook. She uh, was on Big Bang Theory, obviously, for a very long time. Amy Farrah Fowler, she played that. Plus, she currently stars in and executive produces her own sitcom called Call Me Cat on Fox. And all of those are cool. But the reason we wanted to have her on the show is that she is, by her own admission, a serious Jew. I don't mean like the, you know, the kind of Jew who's like, yeah, I mean, I'll take Yom Kippur off. Sure. You know, I mean, like, I mean, like a serious Jew. Like she takes it very serious. It is deeply a part of her identity. But, you know, I've heard her speak on her religious faith in the past, and it's really pretty profound. It's insightful, passionate, um, balanced. Uh, I'm really excited to see if she's got an answer to this question. Why religion? Why today? Is it still relevant? Maya Bialik, we are so excited to have you on this show. We've actually been talking about this for a long time. We talk about you all the time. I, I talk about you guys all the time is what's funny. It's very nice to be here. <laughs> what a strange coincidence. Questions of religion, faith, spirituality uh, loom large with Reza and I. Uh, it's not really what this show is about. We, we dabble in those topics on this show. But you're one of the very few people in Hollywood that is outspoken about your faith and your religion and your belief and the coordination between that belief and science and... Um, so we're just super psyched to uh, hear what you're about. We know you've written extensively about your Jewish identity. Rain and I just shared, um, you know, our, uh, I think, testimony is what Christians call it. Testify. Uh, and testify, so baby. We, 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 we testified. Um, so, yeah, maybe if you don't mind, just, you know, for, for our listeners uh, who are unfamiliar with your religious journey, could you just kind of tell us a little bit about it? You know, tell us about your spiritual, religious journey? Um, was your family very religious? Yeah, I'm I'm ethnically Jewish, which means I come from a line of, of people who trace their roots thousands of years back um, to a people that has a, a historical and spiritual homeland, as it were. 
I saw those people in that in that Charlton Heston movie, and they're running across <laughs> from the Red Sea. It's exactly, mm-hmm. yeah, it's I exactly saw those. what we look mm-hmm. like. You know, the the sweet story is that at some point, um, my people spread out from there and intermixed with all of the cultures and and communities all over the world. Um, and I am Eastern European, so I am an Ashkenazi Jew. That's what it's called, and um, that's my ethnic line. That's not just my religious identity. There are, I mean, it's a weird way to say it, but there are certain genetic diseases that that occur in the population of Eastern European Jews because of population bottlenecking and the way that our kind of community was structured. So even if you don't believe in God, even if you don't observe religiously, you still have uh, an identity as part of the ethnic line of Jews. Um, you know, I, I like to say, you know, typically in college, we are tested for Tay-Sachs and we're, we're tested for Gaucher's disease. And even if you don't want to go to synagogue, you still need to get tested for those things because that's your ethnic line. So welcome to being Jewish. And they shall know us by our genetic <laughs> They shall know issues. us by the things that happen because cousins that close shouldn't marry is really what it is. <laughs> Growing up in Los Angeles, there's a ton of Jews And many people think that we must own half this town, but Jews are actually about 2% of the United States population. And that means we're about like the Amish. Um, Yes, we are loud and we have our foot in a lot of different arenas. Um, And I studied studied Judaism and, and religion. I have a minor in Hebrew and Jewish studies from UCLA, along with my degree in neuroscience. So uh, when I left home is when I started to kind of um, explore more. And I got very interested in the intellectual components of Judaism, which I wasn't really raised with. You know, I was raised going to synagogue and that was fun. I was the kid who liked Hebrew school. I went twice a week. I loved the songs. It made me feel good. There was definitely something mystical I felt. You know, I felt a a resonant connection with something that was indescribable. Um, But it wasn't really until college when I decided to try and find the people that I seemed to be the most like, which was Jews. And you know, it's kind of embarrassing to talk about that because I have white privilege and I'm aware of that. And there are many Jews of color, but I have white privilege. So to say that I felt like I didn't fit in can seem odd to some people. But the people that I most resonated with socially, culturally, uh, happened to be the people that I found in, you know, by and large in kind of like the Jewish organizations. I, You know, Hillel is the egalitarian campus organization. I'm sorry to interrupt. Like, how come? Why Why do you think that is? Why Why do you, it's, it's one thing to sort of gravitate towards people who have the similar interests, you know, maybe similar politics or whatever, but why someone who has a similar religious identity? Well, because I think it's, I mean, for me, it's not just a religious identity. It is an ethnic and cultural identity, right? So, you know, the person I'm dating, he's not an observant Jew, meaning he he has a tremendous sense of kind of spiritual consciousness and he's very Jewish, but he doesn't identify as like a particular denomination, but there's a way that we speak because, and also we are both Eastern European, you know, um, so there, there is, there's a pattern of speech that we have, you know, we are raised with different kinds of grammar and we have a structure of the world that even if you don't buy into the religious system, you have this vocabulary that is true all over the world, you know, wherever you find Jews. Like we have a we have a language of Hebrew that was actually resurrected after a thousand years of not being spoken, which is pretty unusual. So we we have that in common. It's a very interesting kind of global. I'm going to do the same thing with Elvish. <laughs> Could sign me up for that. <laughs> You know, as for my spiritual journey, you know, I, the the Jewish God is that that I was raised with is very, um, it's very large. It's actually infinite. There's no end is one of the names of God. Um, I don't feel attached to the notion that I have the right way to know God. I don't feel attached to believing that there's one way to know God. I believe there's a oneness in this universe, and it's the same as the oneness of gravity and all the principles of physics, and it's what makes the ocean be the ocean, it's what makes us have this conversation, that oneness is interpreted very differently by people all over the world throughout time. I've got one way. It's not the best way. (laughs) Some might say it's really not the best way. But I, I I can't distance myself from that experience of being part of a divine universe that I choose to acknowledge the way my people have for thousands of years. But but hold on a second, because we, we we made a giant leap here. You're talking about growing up with two sets of plates and talking about your ethnic heritage and cultural heritage and wanting to fit in with 
uh, other other Jews and find them because those are your people and you, you feel a kinship. Um, and now you're talking about infinite God. But so many uh, Jews are simply cultural Jews and eat some matzo brai occasionally and go to some high holy days. For you, um, there, there was a, a point at which you said, uh, no, Judaism is not just a kind of a cultural, ethnic thing that I'm going to kind of dabble in. I'm buying into this God concept. I'm going whole hog into this um, faith, belief, heart. Um, I'm going to connect soul to soul with my Jewish heritage. How and why did that happen? So, yeah, I mean, I I feel like because the concept of God that I was introduced to from the, I mean, my first sentence was a prayer. It was the Shema that says that God is one. That if there's anything out there, it's one. That was my first sentence. So the concept of God, even though a lot of it seemed honestly silly, a lot of the rules and I have Orthodox family and they dress a certain way and like that seems really weird. What I started realizing is that living in accordance with those principles brought me closer to being the person I wanted to be. And for me, and that's not true for everyone, but for me, when I started formally learning, you know, and, and Judaism, we're, you know, they call us the people of the book because we're super into our book and all the things that come out of it. And that doesn't just mean we read it. And it's totally fine if people like to read their book and quote it to other people. That's not what we do with our book. What we do with our book is we take it apart word by word, letter by letter. And we find alternate meanings. And so it's a very intellectual process. It's a very cerebral process that sparked something divine in me, meaning it made me feel like my brain was as divine as everything else that I feel is divine. That's kind of, I mean, that's sort of like the short story of how we got here. And I, I added on more observance and found that it was putting me in a place where I felt grateful. I was more mindful. You know, part of the reason that we pray for a million things all day is that it keeps you in a conscious contact with God as you understand God. You know, if when you wake up in the morning, the first thing you think is, thank you. Thank you for returning my soul to me, you know, and then you go wash your hands and you say, thank you for this great honor of waking up and being this person who can go to the bathroom, who can wash their hands, who can do these, like, thank you for everything opening when it should and closing when it should. That's the prayer we say after going to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, every, every food has a religious, you know, has a religious consciousness. So we're, we're, we're living in a world right now in which um, religious identity is on the decline and spirituality is on the rise, right? Uh, anyone who studies American religion knows that the fastest growing religious identity in the United States is the so-called nons or the non-affiliated. They make up about a quarter of all Americans now. These are people who say, oh, no, no, <clears throat> I believe in God. I believe in a divine spirit. I am a spiritual person, but I refuse to identify with a particular religion, right? And you're doing the opposite. You're saying, no, 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 religion is the thing that I identify with. That's how I express my spirituality. And so I'm curious, like, you know, you're going against the trend is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's me. It takes work. And I think a lot of people don't want to do the work. They just don't like it. It takes so it's, it's laziness. That's why people are saying spiritual, but not religious. I, I definitely think there's a sense of kind of complacency and a lot of people, you know, they, they want it when they want it. They want to thank God when things good happen. But when something tragic happens, my faith is my faith does not waver. You know, I don't God is not my gumball machine of like, give me this parking spot. I want this. I don't pray for my will. You know, that's not a Christian concept. It's actually a Jewish concept. I pray for the will of the universe, which I choose to call God. But yes, I like a place to go. I like ritual. I like a thing to do and a, a way to do it right. Meaning this is how we pray. We bow here, we bow at the knees, we, you know, we do this. Our traditional Judaism is also very consistent with my obsessive compulsive diagnosis, and I'm not saying that lightly. We are a religion of what do you do here and now? You do this, you eat this. You don't do this, here's the number. Check it three times, touch it four. You know, like, we, we are an ancient people that have a lot of ancient practices which can look very strange, 
but there's a rhythm to it. There's a rhythm to my calendar. I don't want to live outside of that calendar. My calendar in Judaism is lunar. So like when I celebrate my Hebrew birthday, that's exactly where the stars were the night that I was born. You know, I celebrate my children's Hebrew birthdays in addition to their English ones because it's a whole different identity. Like that's who I am. And the ethics of the teachings of Judaism, while not uncomplicated, have led me to pursue the kind of things that sit right with me. Ray, you know that I love me some Magic Spoon. You know this. I can't shut up about it. Did you get your second crate of Magic Spoon yet? I did get my second crate of Magic Spoon yesterday. Thank you very much, Magic Spoon people. How do they do it? Because it's got zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, only four grams of carbs in each serving and 140 calories per serving. It's keto-friendly. It's gluten-free. It's grain-free. It's soy-free. It's low-carb. It's GMO-free. It's just not free-free. It actually costs money, but not as much money as you think it does because we've got a deal for you. That's right. You can get a variety pack, four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. You can mix them together. You can mix cocoa with peanut butter. and Okay, okay. I think we've heard enough from you. Listen, folks, it's real simple. Go to magicspoon.com slash milkshake. Grab a variety pack. Try it today. Make sure to use our promo code milkshake at checkout and you save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's back with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked, or you just email me, I'll come over and I'll eat the cereal for you. (laughs) So remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash milkshake and use the code milkshake to save $5 off. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this delicious episode. Hey, Reza. Yes, my friend. I'm going to bravely broach a topic. Our show is sponsored in part by Blue Chew. Blue Chew is making waves and bringing more confidence to the bedroom by offering chewable tablets that can help men get stronger and longer-lasting erections. hey I have no problem saying that. It's a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew is an online prescription service, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations. This is the awkward conversation. We're having the awkward conversation right now, Reza. You don't have to do We're doing it for you so that you don't have to do it yourself. So if you'd like to benefit from the extra confidence when it's time to perform, visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And here is our special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code MILKSHAKE at checkout. Just pay the $5 shipping fee. I'm sorry, did you say free? That's bluechew.com promo code milkshake to receive your first month free. That's a lot of erections for free. so many erections. Thank you, Blue Chew, for sponsoring our podcast. So there's meaning behind these rituals and this one to build community. And uh, because the focus of this conversation is like, why religion? Why is religion relevant? Why should one ascribe to a set of beliefs as opposed to believing in this crystal or that yoga class or this Dalai Lama <laughs> quote or or whatever else kind of floats your boat with a um, you know podcast or what have you? But you know, uh, Reza did some uh, delightful uh, studying here, and uh, there are other benefits to uh, being quote unquote religious. Um, religious attendance once or more per week leads to an extra seven years of life expectancy, (laughs) says one study. Uh, Religious participation by kids has been shown to result in less juvenile delinquency and drug use, smoking, higher school attendance. Um, uh, Religiously active older adults are 40% less likely to have high blood pressure. Uh, Religious people report more happiness and uh, score higher in terms of life satisfaction. And people who go to religious services at least once a week, once a week may have a stronger immune system. Um, it's also been linked to an additional seven years of life. I think I said that. So Wait, hold on. Wait, wait. As a scientist, though, I have to say that, like, there, I could, as a religious person, I could find something wrong with each of those analyses because there could be associations with other lifestyle things that we're seeing. And also, is this a white sample? Is it an elite sample? Like, are you asking poor people in India? Are you asking rich people in America? But yes, yes, also, 
Religion does have some other benefits because you want to see our sources. You're challenging our sources. Fine. (laughs) No, our sources, the Internet. Okay, Psychology Today, episode 117, September 3rd. (laughs) No, but I'm saying it's not simply it's not because you believe it's because of the things that happen because you believe. Right. It's the people that you connect with. It's the sense of responsibility. It's when you show up, they ask you, oh, are you going to volunteer for this committee to help feed the homeless? So your life starts building in different ways when you're in that structure. And to me, that's what is shifting things. Meaning, you know, during during COVID, of course, religious communities rallied around the older people and the, the, the communities in need. It's what we did. I mean, every week I got another email from my synagogue being like, okay, we're going down here. We're going to feed these homeless people. We're going to find these people that need. And everybody was doing that because that's the structure that facilitates it. Meaning, like, I don't mean to be so pedantic, but it means there's an email list. There's someone managing the email list. There's someone who is cross-referencing, oh, which people like to help the homeless versus which people like to not interact with other people. And can they help, you know, pack things before we send it out to the homeless? There's a structure for doing that. And I mean, I don't mean to sound like a crazy religious person, but that feels holy. I guess this is the this is the thing. This is the crux, which is that it's very clear what you um, I am get from religion. And I actually really love the way that you were talking about how, you know, there's something to be said about taking the hard stuff and the easy stuff, right? That you obviously you get these benefits from, from religion and there are things in your particular religion that you don't really like, but it's like, well, I'm in it for the whole thing and I'm going to accept those things as well and change the things that I can, et cetera. I think all of that is lovely that, you know, you pray, um, uh, after you go to the bathroom, I also pray after I go to the bathroom. It's more like, thank you, Jesus, more than anything else. Like, you know, whew, thank you. God. Wait, you're Muslim. You can't pray to Jesus. Just that one. Just after the toilet. <laughs> I got to say for the record, Jesus might be feeling a little left out here. We've got a Baha'i, a Muslim and a Jew. First of all, Jesus gets plenty of attention. He gets a lot of coverage. Uh, Jesus was a Jew. I think here's the thing is that the larger question is why is religion still relevant to the world? I mean, there's something really beautiful about the way that you're talking about Judaism, particularly in the way that it connects you to this, you know, tradition that's thousands of years old, these people, triumphs and the tragedies and everything that's involved in that. But like when you're looking at society, I mean, does religion, at least nowadays, does it do more good in the world or, or is it more destructive in the world? It's a conversation that I don't necessarily feel the most equipped to, to say, like, religion does more good than harm. You know, I, I feel like you really could. You, you could kind of go both ways <laughs> with it. Historically, again, my problem's not necessarily with religion. It's with people. Um, and in particular, religion has... I mean, it's an understatement to say that in the name of God, millions and millions of people have died. <laughs> um, I think for me, the structure of my world means that there's tremendous relevance to showing up. There's tremendous relevance to not throwing out the baby with the bathwater. And there's tremendous relevance to intellectually battling with yourself and the world around you. And I want to understand things on a very deep level. Meaning, I'm not saying I'm a deep, exceptional person. I'm saying that for me, I want to take everything apart. Whether it's love, whether it's science, whether it's religion, I want to take it all apart. And my religious tradition encourages me to do that. It teaches me that we don't have answers, we have questions. And that's what I... That's what I try and bring to my kids, you know, when I raise them with this consciousness. That being said, there's a lot of people who do religion in a way that I don't like. I mean, I'm I'm just going to say it. You know, I I don't believe in a gumball machine God. I really don't. And it's frustrating to me when people say like, well, you know, he got better because I prayed. I prayed for it. It's like, no, you know, my, my God is the God of children getting cancer you know, and also the God of tremendous glory and beauty. Like God's not good or bad. God just is like, do you say gravity's good or bad? 
it's good because it keeps us on the planet. But when it, you know, when your cat falls off, you know, the 10th story of a building and it doesn't turn its head around, gravity's bad, right? You, you don't talk about gravity like that. So to me, that's what God is. And religion is the place that I get to put that into action. It's what inspires me to do. And if you can find that inspiration outside of, of a religious structure, fantastic. But for me, I need to show up every week. I need to know that my week stops on my Sabbath and I unplug and you don't own me on that one day. And my my religion is what gives me that, you know? I just want to say, I love what you're saying. Uh, it really moves me and speaks to me. Uh, the the co-producer of this podcast is Soul Pancake, a company that I founded, which was based entirely on the pursuit and digging into life's big questions because I felt like so many young people were being so kind of blasé and noncommittal about why are we here? What's going on? Who the fuck are we? Is there meaning or is it all meaningless? Like, let's dive into this stuff. We don't, I don't, I'm not saying we're right or wrong or who has the answers, but um, that thirst for questioning, um, which is interesting because most people would say, Maya, and I, and I want to hear your thoughts on this. Most people would say religion is gives you easy answers and is not a mode or an impetus to ask ever more probing questions. I can speak for my, you know, the the line of thinking that that I'm part of. You know, I'm I I, I find that to be exactly the opposite, and that's what I was taught, you know, by my rabbi in college. His name's Rabbi Chaim Seidlerfeller. He said, many religions do stand on the street corner and say, like, we've got the answers. Come, we got it. And and I come from a tradition that says, like, we got questions, <laughs> you know? And so, you know, for, for me, my religious practice is living in constant tension, constant tension with, you know, the secular world and the religious world, with the concepts of good and evil as we try and understand them. And also with understanding that being human is incredibly painful. You know, one of my favorite mystical concepts is that, you know, in the messianic age, whatever that looks like, we will not be able to stop crying because we will finally be awakened to how tragic our existence is. And that it's only now in this era that we live in that we have this, this protection from the truth, which is that being human is so tragic that we would potentially weep all the time, you know? And so for me, that's kind of where I live. Like I'm dust and ashes and the world was made for me. That's a Talmudic concept of that's how you lead your day, that the world was made for you and also you're nothing. How do you live in that tension, you know? And for me, the mindfulness that my religious practice gives me makes me feel like it's worth it, you know? And for my children, I don't know if they're going to believe in God. I have no idea. What I know is that separate from a notion of a dude in the sky, which is what many of us were raised with, there's a part of us that has a desire to understand and to have a connection with something bigger than us. And, and my mystical tradition that I come from says that's the way something unexplainable is trying to have a relationship with us. It's how we're trying to understand the universe. Folks, you know, there's no better feeling than learning something new. I know this. I'm constantly learning stuff. Rain, you're constantly learning stuff. It's the spark of curiosity, the thrill of a new discovery. And that's why... We love Wondrium, video and audio streaming experiences created to blow your minds. Wondrium, Reza, it's the coolest place to nerd out. You can learn so much. You can watch it on your smartphone while you're on the go. Thousands of hours of content from brands like The Great Courses, programs created in partnership with National Geographic, Smithsonian, History, Culinary Institute of America, Kino Lorber, Magellan TV and Craftsy with experts who know how to blow our minds and encourage us to celebrate our inner nerd. You and I are all about the inner nerd. Therefore, oh, yeah. oh, we yeah. are all about Wondrium. Trust us, your brain is going to love this place. Sign up now through our special URL to get this great offer, a 14-day free trial of unlimited access. Go now to wondrium.com slash milkshake. That's W-O-N- D-R-I-U-M. Wondrium.com slash milkshake.
Rain, you know that in my other life, I'm actually a writing professor. And uh, let me tell you, I am one of those grammar Nazis. Like I am a real stickler. You don't have to tell me because I gave you this essay I wrote on sacredness and you marked it up from top to bottom. I did. With literally and a you're red pen. welcome. Not everyone has a buddy like me to fix your grammar. And that's what Grammarly is all about. When it comes to saving time, working more efficiently, it's those little things that start adding up and hogging time in your day. And what Grammarly Premium does is it gives you real-time suggestions on your writing for people who don't have me as a friend so you can get to the next item on your list in record time. Grammarly has clarity suggestions. So Grammarly Premium helps you get your message across quickly without repetitive or unnecessary words. It's got vocabulary suggestions. With this free version of Grammarly, you're safe from embarrassing basic spelling, grammar, and punctuation mistakes. And Grammarly Premium's advanced time-saving features help you write more clearly and efficiently. You can streamline your workload with seamless integration into Microsoft Office, your internet browser, or your phone, or whatever else you do your writing on. So hit send with confidence and get your point across more effectively with Grammarly Premium. Get 20% off by signing up at Grammarly.com slash milkshake. That's 20% off at Grammarly, G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y, Grammarly.com slash milkshake. And please, for the love of God, stop ending your sentences with a with preposition. A preposition. <laughs> and here's the kicker. You're deeply observant, but you're also a scientist. You're a PhD in neuroscience. Your dissertation title was Hypothalamic Regulation in Relation to Maladaptive, Obsessive, Compulsive, Affiliative, and Satiety Behaviors in Prader-Willi Syndrome. Oh, dear. Fun fact, that was my dissertation title. As <laughs> no well. way! I, I mean, <laughs> I, it's such a weird coincidence. But here, here, Mayim, is one of the biggest holdbacks for people around religion. Faith is a little, is related to religion, but faith's a little separate. And that is, well, you can't have faith. You can't have religion and science coexist. So it's not true. It's like people's favorite thing to say because they don't want to be part of a religious structure. It's their favorite thing to say. I don't even know if I know Orthodox Jews who don't believe in evolution. Do you know what I mean? Like if if you think that the Torah is a science book, I got a better science book for you. You know what I mean? Like it's not a science book. No one ever said it was a science book. It's not supposed to be a science book. Everybody's okay with it not being a science book that that I interact with. Are there fringes of people like the Schtissel people and the unorthodox people? You know, those are TV shows about, you know, very, very cloistered Hasidic communities that everyone's fascinated with, right? That's what's so fascinating is the people who seem like they're from another planet, right? But that's a very, very small portion of orthodoxy. And it's a very small portion of Judaism in general. So for me, like I spend very little time worrying about the veracity. And I think more about what it does to me. What does it mean to me? What does it bring forth in me? And how does it change the way I interact with my fellow humans? Like Judaism is very this world. What happens here? We don't, we don't have this notion of, you know, an, another a redemptive place. We just don't. I mean, it exists, but like, it's not for us. We're very much about how do you act? But so many people would just say, well, let's just, uh, we don't have want to get into this because it's a whole other podcast, but so many people would say, well, it begins with God. You can't, there's no scientific proof of God. There's no laboratory. There's no, there's no computer experiment. There's no equation that shows that there's some creator or something like that. Yeah, you have those religious people like, look at the human eye. Isn't that proof enough? No, I'm a scientist. That's not how proof works. So like, I I, I get it. And for, for me, I don't need, I don't need proof. I just don't. I don't need proof of this kind of being that I believe. And this is, sure, it's a cop-out, but welcome to being human. The concept of God that I have, it's not measurable. It has no end. It's an infinite force that governs everything that we experience. It's, it, is, it is in every single breath we take, not just the Jews. It is a force. It's everything. It's the force in everything. The force that through the green fuse drives the flower, blasts my green age is my destroyer says Dylan Thomas. 
Very nice. Look at Ooh, this. I can quote he Dylan stole, Thomas. He stole it from Rabindranath Tagore, but that's a whole other topic. <laughs> oh my gosh. Also a whole other podcast. Um, but no, for, for me, everything that I experience in the scientific world is, is evidence that I didn't create it and I couldn't. That's divine yeah. to me. Yeah, that makes that makes perfect sense. And I think a lot of uh, spiritually minded, um, scientifically rational people would 100% agree with you. But we're not talking about reconciling science and spirituality or science and faith. We're talking about reconciling science and religious identity. And so when you were talking about how part of what draws you to um, religion and particularly Judaism and particularly, you know, Orthodox Judaism or a kind of Orthodox Judaism um, is the idea that you got to take it all, like the good and the bad, the rules you like and the rules you don't like. And I love that about that. At the same time, though, does that mean that you have to take, you know, the the non-scientific aspects of the religion and the and the scientific aspects like what do you do with you know did did Moses part the sea of reeds did Joshua stop the sun from you know if i'm in 100% how do you then reconcile that you know so the the reconciliation comes um comes in it's funny because rabbi david wolpe who's um a conservative rabbi you know, like they asked for his head on a platter when he said it doesn't really matter if the seas parted. And so I'm not going to say that it doesn't matter if the seas parted. But for me, my religious my religious belief means we tell those stories, we take them apart and we talk about them and we get to take from them relevance that impacts our life and the meaning that we have. I don't I don't live a life, and I would say that most Jews don't live a life, and there are Jews that do, but for me, and this is completely legitimate Judaism that I practice, that's the thing. Like, no one gets to decide that my Judaism is less legitimate. I get to say that I don't know. There are things that I don't know, and I don't know that I'm ever going to know if the Sea of Reeds parted. It wasn't the Red Sea. It was the Sea of Reeds. It's much shallower. So in theory, like a strong wind, it could be a gale, and it pushes to the side. I don't know. But the fact is... We have a tradition that tells a story because it has meaning. And that's the story in that case of a deliverance from slavery and a birth to freedom. That's a universal concept that we commemorate every single spring as our spring festival to talk about how we can help others who are enslaved. And many, many Jews, especially in my community, talk about the Palestinian people at Seder's. And how if if one of us is not free, none of us are free, right? So to me, that's where I put my focus. And I don't mean to say, like, I have faith. I mean that that's a story that we tell. There's myth in every religious tradition. There is storytelling in every religious tradition. And I don't feel the need to hold that kind of scrutiny of I can't believe this story or I can't believe the lessons of this story unless I can prove that it happened. Because you know what? This is the best story that I've got. And that Torah for me, that has got everything that I need, literally. It's got everything I need to learn the lessons I need to learn, to live the life I want to live, and to be the human that I'd like to be on a planet with other suffering people. Well said. Beautifully said. So, I mean, this is, I I think, really instructive and fascinating. I think most people, you know, as they're looking at sort of where religion is trending, uh, would probably agree that it's becoming less and less relevant in society. I'm not sure if I necessarily agree that. Certainly not in the rest of the world. Maybe in the United States it's becoming less relevant. But I guess looking to the future, you know, um, of this country, you know, let's let's keep it local. Um, Do you still see a role? like a very, a positive role that religion can play in our society, despite all the shit that, you know, it, it's done recently. And and what what is that? What is specifically, what do you think the role that religion, the positive role that religion can play in our society in the future could be? I mean, I know it might sound counterintuitive, but for me, the specificity of our existence or identification in a particular community also has the ability to, to touch universally. So, 
you know, I'm just speaking from, you know, many communities that I know of in my religious tradition that have seized on many of the public events of the last year, the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, uh, getting getting COVID education and vaccines to communities that that need them most, being of service to communities in need, not just in our city, but throughout our country. To me, that that kind of work is holy work. And it comes from the structure that I tend to be a part of. Um, you, you know, I I don't have this notion that like God's universal light will shine on all people if everyone just, you know, had a kumbaya moment. That's not the reality of my religious experience. The reality of my religious experience is that we are all doing our best in a world that shattered a long time ago. And all these shards of light that we can collect as we do good and and behave well and help one another and treat others the way we would like to be treated, those are the things that reunify that divine spark. And that's a that's a Kabbalistic uh, notion. But but to me, that's what religion still can and does do. It still has the ability to show you how to be good to other people. And I'd like to remind people, the Old Testament is not the story of the Jewish people. Adam and Eve were not Jewish. Noah wasn't Jewish. It, it, you know, I don't learn just from a Jewish perspective. I try and learn from a universal perspective. And I would like to think that all religion has the capacity to do that. And I don't like fundamentalists of any religious variety. I just don't. Because to me, that's not the world we live in. And that's like the wokeness about me, you know? <laughs> and, and the fact is, I will also say that, you know, for my particular religious identity, it is tied a lot to what's going on in our country because friends of mine have stopped wearing yarmulkes because of our last president, because it was dangerous to do so. And that's very painful to me that I'm a 2%, I'm a minority as a religious, as a religious Jew in this country And friends of mine who aren't even religious are also falling under the same scrutiny because they're just Jewish. And that is something that's very, very uncomfortable. And I'm not saying that that's what unites me with other Jewish people or what is the foundation of my religious faith. But those are the places that I get to have a structure to say, help me. Why? What do I do and what happens next? And guess what? In Judaism and in many religions, it doesn't always mean looking for the answer. It means finding more questions. Well, Mayim, now is the time for us to play a little game uh, we call the lightning round. These are just like questions that we ask all of our uh, guests, uh, big, broad, life's big questions. And then you just kind of answer with the first thing that comes to your mind. What is something that no one knows about you? I'm a terrible nail biter and always have been. And my cuticles are a mess. I have gross hands. If you could be reincarnated as any animal besides being a human, what animal would it be? Oh, gosh, I like so many animals. Uh, Blue whale. It's my favorite. What's one eye-opening experience you think every person should have? Therapy. Good (laughs) therapy. (laughs) Name something that a lot of people like, but that you can't stand. (laughs) Oh, so many things. Um, uh, Romantic comedies. (laughs) Describe your soul in 10 words or less. My soul is the thing that makes me get up the 10th time after I've fallen down nine. Tell us one fact about the human brain that would blow our minds. There's a part of the brain that if it's damaged, you can't recognize faces. You can recognize smells and names, but you can't look at even your own mother and know that it's your mother. It's one region of the brain. What's one emotion you wish you could better control? I'd say sadness. Um, but also envy. What skill do you wish you had? I wish I could draw, like, for real. Like, like when I see things, I wish I could actually make the thing on the paper look like what I want to draw, <laughs> not what a five-year-old would draw. And finally, what is your life's big question? If not, now when? Maya Bialik, this has been so wonderful. Thank so you awesome. so much Salam. for Thank joining you so us. Much. It's been a pleasure. Thank Salam you. To you. Here's what I got from that conversation. Okay. Which I really like. Mm -hmm. 
most people, when they say they don't want to have anything to do with a particular religion, don't want to have anything to do with that particular religion because there's stuff in the religion that they don't like or that they disagree with or that is hard or whatever. I love how Mayam's like, yeah, that's the reason. That's the reason you associate with a religion for the hard stuff, for the stuff you don't necessarily like, for the stuff you maybe don't disagree, you don't necessarily agree with. There's something there. Yeah, I love that. She's into the questions, not the answers. And into the wrestling with stuff. And she's got issues with some of the patriarchy and some of the Zionism and some of the laws. Um, but she shows up. Uh, that is a deep, difficult commitment. And uh, that is very rare in the modern world. And that thing that she said at the end there, which I thought was so interesting, but also so true about like, the future relevance of religion is right that, you know, look, look at the situation that we're in right now. You know, who's been stepping up to to help uh, people deal with, um, you know, the problems of COVID? Well, it hasn't been the government. It's not really our politicians. It's it's religious groups, right? Who's the first on the scene, you know, in an emergency or a disaster? It's religious groups. And so, you know, whatever you want to say about, you know, the historical crimes of the world's religions. And look, I'm a Muslim, so I, you know, I got very little to stand on here when it comes to that. She's right that so much of the work that is necessary to build the kind of world that we all want to live in is being done by religious people, people who identify you know, with a particular religion, there's no way to sort of get around that fact. Now, I think a lot of people listening are probably like, this is bullshit. I call bullshit. You got two religious guys interviewing a religious woman about how great religion is. Why couldn't they get a skeptic? Um, why couldn't they get an atheist? Uh, someone to lambaste her and skewer her? And, in, you know, and I get it and 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 I accept that. I'll, I'll go along with it. But I agree, Reza. I think that, I think it's easy to kind of whole cloth discard an entire belief system and to question its re relevance. But the thing that most struck me was um, community coming together in service towards some higher purpose, bigger than ourselves, some greater mystery. And that really touched me about her faith and her religion. And I think she's onto something. We actually got a lot of uh, calls on this topic. Apparently people are very interested about whether religion is still relevant. Who knew? This one is a good one. This one is uh, Johnny. Johnny's got a, a comment about this topic. Hello, Rain and Reza. Uh, Johnny from Sweden here. I think religion is still very relevant because the human is a spiritual creature and uh, the human being need to fill that void inside of them. Uh, we really need to believe in something uh, because if we don't, their life on this earth becomes less meaningful, if you know what I'm saying. So religion is very, very relevant today. I know what you're saying. For those who believe in the gospel of Jesus, it's re very much relevant. Um, so that we can be saved, you know. And uh, if we think about just to fulfill that void inside of us, that needs a spiritual guideline. Uh, it's very relevant for our uh, mental health. Uh, so, yeah, that's what I think. All right. Wow, we got one of the 17 born-again Christians in Sweden to call in. That's, 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 <laughs> that's pretty nice. good. What do you think? No, I mean, like, take away the whole, like, you know, salvation from Jesus part of it, which I respect. But, you know, he, he, you and I totally agree with what he said. We are fundamentally spiritual beings. Right. We're not we're not sort of spiritual beings inside of material bodies where, you know, we are in and of, of ourselves, like the way that we are constructed. You know, we we are we we have no choice but to sort of strive towards transcendence and however we can find it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree. It goes to my favorite quote, uh, Teilhard de Chardin, uh, the great father Jesuit priest philosopher said, we are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. And I agree with that completely. You know, when I 
am feeling frustrated, lost, uh, anxious, angry, confused. When in my meditation practice, um, when I come back to this idea that I am a spiritual being having a human experience, all of a sudden the clouds lift and I'm, I'm much more able to have kind of meaning, clarity, focus in my life. Yeah. And look, uh, you know, religion can be a very helpful way to help you make sense of that spiritual longing, that spiritual desire. But yeah, we're, 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 on, we're on the same page with you, Johnny from Sweden. And, you know, listen, Rez, I think you and I are both, uh, maybe we're in the minority of the podcast world or these even metaphysical podcast listeners. But, you know, religion gets a bad name these days, a bad rap, and it should for so much of its nefarious activities. But I will say that one, another thing that religion, not just spirituality, gives one is community. And it's something that humanity desperately needs. And it's a, it's a community that's broader than your own tiny little tribe of people that just kind of look and act and talk and walk like you. Um, it can have a much broader scope than that. And maybe religion can allow us to have a a continuation of that community to embrace the entire planet. Call me a dreamer. Call me a dreamer. Listen, I absolutely. And I think Mayan would agree. Absolutely. But we've got another caller, Rez. Brennan has got something to say on the topic. Let's hear from Brennan. Hey, guys. I just wanted to kind of speak on the is religion still relevant? Um, I really do believe that religion should be still relevant because spirituality is religion in its own sense. Meaning like you can believe everything is intertwined and interconnected together. Like all of us are intertwined together within ourselves and within the things we do, the actions, the schools of thought is what keeps the world going around. Because, you know, people sitting around like random inert pieces of junk, not doing anything, you know, no offense to people that do that, hey, teach their own. But you're not, you're not fully unlocking the powers in which your mind can, withholds, if that makes sense. You know, like people that are actors are, are generally, whether they like it or not, spiritual people, unless you go into the dark side of Hollywood. But still, completely different scenario. I believe that religion is still relevant. Maybe not radical religion. That should that shouldn't be the thing. But actual religion, yes. And also, <laughs> did he just say and also, and then it, and that was and it? Hang up. Yeah. And uh, also, <laughs> what? What, Brennan? What? I don't know what Brennan. I want to know what the dark side of Hollywood is because I want in. <laughs> That's where the money is. Man. Sign me up. What is the dark side of Hollywood he's referring to? Please. Real, man. I think he's talking about the Scientologists. Again, we 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 agree that we are spiritual beings having a human experience. But again, I would say that it's it's integrated. That we it's not that these are separate things, right? The sacred and the secular. Uh, that we, in just how we are made, are meant to live life in its fullest expression while recognizing that there is more to the experience of being human than the material realm. There is more to reality than the things that I can experience just with my senses, that there is something beyond this and that the the human condition is about striving for that thing. And as we already said, religion can help in that striving. It can sometimes hurt, but for the most part. What it comes down to for me, and I have a lot of eight close atheist friends, and I get I get where they're coming from completely. Um, and I love a good atheist. I really do. I love me a good atheist. Don't you, Reza? I, it depends on the atheist. <laughs> but for me, and this is something that I experienced as a teenager growing up like the world, the universe makes no sense to me that somehow or other through an accident of molecules 
and evolution and DNA, that I have this Rain Wilson consciousness and that I've had, you know, I've heard symphonies and I've seen Radiohead live and I've fallen in love and I've had struggles, that it's just a random assortment of electrons bouncing around in my head because I'm basically a, a monkey with a bigger brain and then my consciousness snuffs out like a candle and then that's all there was to it, that there's nothing behind all of this stuff, matter, energy, life, memory. It just doesn't make any sense to me. And But you talk to some atheists and, the, and they say conversely, it doesn't make any sense to me that there's something beyond all of this materiality. Thanks for listening. Uh, please leave your comments on at Podcast on Twitter. Write us and follow us, me, Rain Wilson, and Reza Aslan. On Instagram, we're at Metaphysical Milkshake, and we'd love to hear from you. We love utilizing your questions and comments on the show, and maybe we'll even bring you on board and interview you, and we're going to make you a big, big star, baby, big, big star, and introduce you to the dark side of Hollywood. My name is Reza Aslan. And I'm Rain Wilson. Metaphysical Milkshake is executive produced by Rain Wilson, Reza Aslan, and Colin Thompson. It is produced by Safa Samazadeh Yazd, Harris Lane, Mick DeMaria, Hashem Self, and DJ Lubel. Cast Media is the production and distribution partner. It is edited by Tyler Newbold and audio mixed by Justin Kyle. Original music by Jeff Tang. There is a ritual Jewish divorce. It's called a get, and it is a profoundly spiritually moving experience. So Jews have been doing conscious uncoupling thousands of years before Gwyneth Paltrow. That's a million percent true.